Right. Wasn't that song awesome? I mean, good night, dude. It's like going to Branson, except like <laughs> we didn't pay anything. I like it better than Branson. So it's good stuff. Anyway, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about myself um, because I know a lot of you don't know me. I don't know a lot of you. I'm still kind of the, the new guy here in a lot of ways. Um, my name is Jason George, and my family and I, we've been attending here at CCC for a little over a year now. Um, I know it's been over a year now because I remember that last Christmas, the big things that we were doing here at church. Um, we're originally from the East Coast. Uh, my wife and I grew up in Maryland. We went to school down in Virginia. We lived in Jersey for a little while. Um, we actually moved out here in 2010. We live over in Nixa. Don't hate us because of that. So, all right, that's right. Nixa Eagles, baby. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, my wife and I, we've been married for almost 20 years now by the grace of God and the grace of her. Um, it's nothing that I've done. It's all a miracle and stuff. So we have three children. I want to, oh, they're up here. I'll show you them. This is my daughter, Autumn. She's my oldest. She is 16. It's my son, Noah. He's 13. Uh, he's got whatever Pastor Kevin's got. Uh, he's just homesick today. It's going around. Uh, this is our youngest daughter, um, Gabrielle, and she's our craziest of all. She's here. Uh, she's the wild child, but we love her. Um, after we had her, my wife and I were so utterly exhausted, no sleep. My wife was like, go to the doctor. <laughs> you older people, you know what I'm talking about. I was like, oh, please, no, please. Suffering for Jesus, man. But I did it. This is uh, our other child right here. This is our dog, Ruger. Anybody in here, dog people? Yes, I love dogs. So I love cats, too. I, I think they taste great. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like a little, get some spicy sesquan, mixed vegetables, little mugu guy meow. I just, something about it. Something about it. I'm just kidding. I've never eaten cat. <laughs> Except for that one mission trip to China. It's just, that was for Jesus, though. Now, after graduating college, my wife and I, we went to Liberty University. Um, I spent 15 years serving as a youth pastor. Uh, three different states, Maryland, Jersey, and served for a little bit out here in Missouri, um, over at First Baptist Nixa. Um, back in 2010, uh, when we moved here, uh, we were kind of led here because my wife had a good job that she was going to do working with her sister's company, and uh, I really felt led of God to start um, my own ministry. After being a youth pastor for a lot of years and getting a lot of invitations to speak different places at camps and things like that, some of my mentors were really encouraging me, man, step out there, do it. You know, God's really using you. Pursue the evangelism thing. And uh, I was like, man, I'm so nervous to do that, and I, I don't know what that's going to look like, and how do you, how do you even live? How do you pay for things? I don't want to be the guy that's like preaching and then I'm like past the offering plate right now. You know, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. And I, I hate to even introduce myself as Jason the evangelist. So I just say like, I'm the itinerant speaker because the evangelist like makes people think of the weird guys on TV and stuff. And I'm not them. I promise. Like they freak me out a lot of them. So most of them. Anyway, so we, we moved out here, and uh, I started this nonprofit ministry, and uh, my primary role there with Narrow Trail is evangelism and teaching. Um, 
I have, uh, it was funny because when we moved here in 2010, I remember, you know, going with my wife and we're trying to get a house, buy a house here in Nixa and we go to the bank and, you know, I'm there, you know, and we're ready to, you know, sign on the loan and get the house and they're like, now what do you do again? And I'm like, what do I do? I tell you what I do. I, I'm following God. That's what I'm doing. And they're like, that's great. What do you do for money? And I'm just like, I tell you what, I'm starting this nonprofit ministry. I'm going to be speaking all over the country. They're like, oh, wow, how many speaking dates do you got lined up? I'm like, one. All right, I got one. But it's coming. I know it's coming. And they're just like, all right, so you got income coming in? I'm like, not yet. There's nothing. And they looked at my wife, and they're like, and what do you do? And they looked at me, and they're like, you step out in the lobby. And I was like, so my wife, thankfully, had a good credit score and a good job here, and she owns the house. Like, her name is on it, mine's not. And some of you husbands, you think you got it bad because, like, you, you'll have a, a bad, you know, you get into it with your wife, and she's like, you can go on the couch. Let me tell you about my world is you can leave. I'm like, it's my house too. She goes, no. And I'm just like, what? It's like, she's not that bad. So, but pray for me, seriously. I mean, if she ever does get mad. I'm going to need a place. Um, So we moved out here. I started Narrow Trail. Um, It's been crazy, man, because it was a big step of faith. I seriously had one speaking engagement lined up, and that was in 2010. And since then, God has opened some incredible doors. Um, I've been able to speak in like 28 different states around the country, and I am not bragging. I am just like, because like you're going to get done hearing me, and you're going to be like, how? Like, (laughs) who let you come? You know, (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. They're desperate. So, but uh, I, I do a lot of uh, churches, youth groups. I love speaking to youth groups. Uh, this church has been gracious enough to let me speak to the youth group twice here, um, and it's a great youth group. I love speaking to them. They're funny. They crack me out. There's a dog that attends here on Wednesday nights. Uh, you think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. I walked in. I was like, "What's up with the dog?" Like it's the youth group dog. I'm like, "All right." I'm up here getting ready to speak, and, like, the teens are sitting here, and the dog gets up and sits in the chair. It's the most attentive thing I've ever... I mean, I'm serious. He got saved that night. It was amazing. Came up. I was, like, laying hands on him. It was really cool. I speak at youth groups, camps, retreats, schools, colleges, outreach events, men's events, street corners, Starbucks. The baristas don't, don't, don't listen too good, but I try. I also operate a small home and yard improvement business uh, back in Nixa just to help bring home the bacon, you know, when I'm not traveling. I try not to travel too much, plus I'm not getting that many speaking engagements, but I needed something to make money that would allow me the freedom to go off and speak when God was opening a door. And there's not a lot of employers that are going to be cool with, uh, oh, yeah, take off, go out for a week at a camp, and your job will be here, buddy. No, that's not how it works. So I was like, dude, what else am I good at? And I'm like, (laughs) I was like, nothing, like I can mow grass really good, though, because, like, I had to do that my whole life. Like, I was, like, four, and my dad was, like, do it. I was, like, you know. So I mow grass, and um, I do a little bit of light home improvement stuff, fix-it stuff, not the big stuff. I'll screw your house up, you know, seriously. Um, Little stuff, you know. I put in some blinds or something. And one time I fixed a sink. It was amazing. So then... If you need your deck stained, I can do that. If you need your leaves up, and I'm being serious about that, call me. All right, I'm your guy. I'm serious. Tyler, he was in here first service, and he's like, dude, my leaves. I'm like, they're still not up? He's like, no, you need to come over. I'm like, I'm on it. 
So I was excited about that. Got a job. Anyway, um, seriously, my family and I, we've been here a little over a year now, and I want you guys to know that this church has been a tremendous blessing to my wife and I, big time. Um, Over the last five years, we've really struggled to find a church and feel like we fit in, but we feel like we fit in here. And, you know, it's the last thing that we thought it would be like moving here. Like you're, you're moving not just to the Bible Belt, but you're moving to what one pastor told me. He goes, welcome to the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. And I'm like, really? And, I mean, there's churches everywhere, evangelical churches everywhere. And there's the big churches. There's the, the mega churches. And there's, church, you know, it's crazy. Like there's churches that are like, we got Chris Tomlin coming next week. And I'm like, what? You know, it's just they're huge. And. My wife and I visited so many, and I'm, I'm not saying they're bad churches. And I love that Pastor Kevin prays for all the churches every week. I'm like, that's how I need to be because I can be super critical. I hate that. But um, we just really struggle to feel like we fit. But we feel like we fit here, like this is our church. I just wish I would have found it five years ago, you know. So, But it is what it is, and God has a reason. Um, I want you guys to know, I know he's not here this morning, and uh, I'm not saying this, you know, to get brownie points with them, but I want you guys to know you're really blessed with Pastor Kevin. Uh, I appreciate his friendship. I appreciate his leadership. Uh, there's so much about him that I respect. Uh, one of the things is that he, he's a no-fluff kind of guy. He's just going to say it. And I know there's a lot of people here that, that has probably ticked you off. There's some people that are probably no longer here anymore because he has ticked them off. And I like him. Um, and I like that kind of guy. I know that some of you in here are probably like, okay, my, my kid is in here. Because he, he says it, but I like that. And I'm like, well, when I go home, I got stuff to talk to my kids about. I didn't plan on doing it till 10 more years, but okay, thanks, Kevin. So, <laughs> Daddy, what did he mean by, <laughs> I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, back in Genesis, they were naked, you know, <laughs> like, He's extremely open and honest, even about the mistakes he's made in life, with marriage, with parenting, with ministry. I really appreciate that, because a lot of pastors aren't like that. Um, I like that he shares that kind of stuff. Um, It makes me want to listen to him. I relate to him better, because he tells you about his failures, his mistakes, his things that he's like, ah, I shouldn't have done it like that. Um, You guys are really blessed with that. He faithfully teaches the Bible week after week. He's passionate about the gospel. You'll hear that come through again and again as he's talking. He makes a genuine effort to be personable and relational with you guys, with me. He's really shown that. His wife has as well. Coming over my house and, you know, I'm always kind of like, hey, do you guys got to go? I'm like, it's cool, you know, and thanks for coming. And they're like, we ain't got to go anywhere. And I'm like, great, let's get another pot of coffee. You know, I like hanging out with them. And they just made us feel like, you know, we weren't just their ministry project for today or something. So, and just even the way Pastor Kevin will, in between the services, I watch him um, interact with people, go talk with people, instead of like, you know, sometimes I see pastors like in between services, I'm like, where are they? Are they in the green room? What are they doing? Like, you know, he's just a very personable guy, and I love that. Um, One of the big things I also appreciate about him, I just want to say all this, you know, because I may never be asked to speak again here, but... uh, I love how he takes the initiative to cross racial divides in our community, to reach out, to connect with our African-American brothers and sisters. That's so refreshing to see. He's so intentional about that. And you may have grown up here and you may think like, what, this isn't a racist area and racism's dead and stuff. I'm like, what, man, you don't even know. Um, There's still a lot of it here. And Kevin sees that and... uh, I just appreciate that he does that kind of thing. I also want to mention just with Nate 
and the others who help lead worship here. Um, not one Sunday have I been here. Worship's been such a blessing that I ever really sensed that, like, it's about the people on the stage. Like, it's it, the focus you could tell is on God, and I love that. And there's just a good spirit here. And I remember when we first got here, and Nate was just doing his thing, and you know how he gets. You know what I'm saying. You're just like, what's he doing? He's just doing his thing. He starts smiling. He's, I don't know what's over there, but he's looking at something. And um, my daughter was just like, my, my high school daughter was like, what's he doing? And I was like, he's in the zone. And I'm like, he's just, it's almost like he gets into this thing where he's like, we're not even here. And it's like, we're going to worship. And I'm like, ah, thank you, you know, because the worship team here, there's so much talent. And I'm like, if they wanted to perform, they could, and I'd pay. It's good, and there's nothing wrong with performances um, if it's a performance, but they get, we're in church, I'm church, you're church, let's, let's worship the head of the church, you know, and it's just really good and refreshing. Um, last thing, and then I'm actually going to teach. Um, I appreciate the in-the-trenches ministry stuff here at this church. Um, a lot of people think that ministry is what's up here on the stage, and I feel like this church gets it that ministry is the in the trenches stuff. And a good example is what the church is doing this Christmas season with the Advent conspiracy. You know, when Kevin first mentioned that, it kind of like freaked me out. He was like, this year for the Advent conspiracy. I'm like, what? What are we doing? Like, is it, is it illegal? Is it secret? <laughs> is the NSA watching? What's, what are we doing? You know, and he says, you know, we're, we're doing this cool thing. He has his daughter-in-law come up, and she's a teacher at Weaver Elementary. And I didn't know this about schools in Springfield, that there are some, like Weaver Elementary, where she's like, yeah, I could spend the first part of my day just washing the kids' clothes. I'm like, you do what? Like, dude, we're not in Rwanda. What, what? And then she's like, we feed them, and sometimes those are the only meals that they get. And I'm like, and they don't have jackets, they don't this. And so we're going to... Kevin says, Where, where's the church? We're going we're gonna to just get thousands of dollars. We're going to do something. And I'm like, oh. sorry. That's real life. That's real people. That's real ministry. And that's so attractional. You see, because nobody drives by this place, because I've driven by it a million times, like, because I go to Wilson's Creek a lot. I love it there. Nobody drives past by, by our building and goes, oh, my gosh. You know, we're not that church. We're not the temple. But I don't think in our generation people really give a rip about that anymore. I know, I know my kids don't. They're, that's the stuff as we get in the trenches and we're doing stuff like that. That's the stuff that people go, who are you? Why? Where do you meet? I mean, that's the good stuff. That's the in the trenches stuff. So, again... I appreciate this church. I'm proud to be part of this church, thankful for this church. I know there's no perfect church. We got our issues because we're people. We're not in heaven yet, but um, there's some good stuff happening here. So if you got your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, that's where we're going to be. This morning, I want to share with you guys some life-changing truths from God's Word, some good stuff that God's been teaching me over the last few years. He's still teaching me. I don't have this down, and you'll hear about that as I get into this message. I'm still learning a lot of this stuff. I'm a slow learner. It's good stuff, and listen to me. Here's what this will do for you this morning, the stuff I'm going to talk about from God's Word. It will help you enjoy a much more fulfilling Christian life, and it will help you live 
with a lot fewer disappointments and regrets. Let me say that again. If you really get what God's going to say to us this morning, you're going to have a much more fulfilling Christian life. Nobody's preaching the prosperity gospel. Nobody's saying, oh, it's going to be all easy. It's going to be great. You're going to have a much more fulfilling Christian life, even if it's just full of difficulties and storms. And you're going to live with a lot fewer disappointments and regrets. I really believe that. If you'll get what God has for us this morning, with what we're going to read, and I'll be explaining it to you. But let me pray real quick, and we'll get into it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the hope of heaven when we die. God, I pray that you would help me right now as I open your word, as I read it, as I try to explain it. God, none of us in here need more information. God, we need transformation. We're not here at church this morning because we think we've got it together. We're here because we don't have it together. We need help. That's why we sing. We praise the one who does have it all together, and we're confessing we don't. We need you. So God, come meet with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 10. We're going to start at verse 32, and we're going to read all the way uh, to verse 45. I'll read it. You can follow along up here on the screen if you want to. And they were on the road, talking about Jesus and his disciples. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. Idiots. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Man, in this passage of Scripture, let's visualize it for a second. Let's just go there. Let's think about this. In this passage of Scripture, we see Jesus is traveling with his 12 disciples. Picture that. But they're not alone because this account, this story is also in the book of Matthew. I believe it is Matthew chapter 20, and you get the kind of the full story. So don't think I'm adding to anything. It's there. you got to check, you know. Um, He's got the 12 disciples with him. He's in the lead. He says, we're going up to Jerusalem. They're following, which is what disciples are supposed to be doing. But there's some other people that are going up there too because Passover is coming up. 
But there's this point where as they're going up to Jerusalem, Jesus looks at his 12 disciples and he pulls them away. And he says, come here, i got to talk to you about something. And he just did this all throughout his three-year ministry. It's something extremely important. It's like he says this to them. Here's kind of my paraphrase. He's like, look, guys, listen to me. When we get to Jerusalem this time, it's all going to go down. It's going to go down. This is it. Everything I've been trying to tell you, I'm going to be delivered over to the Jewish religious leaders. They're going to condemn me to die, but they can't actually execute me without getting permission from the Roman authorities. So he says, I'll be delivered over to the Gentiles, which is the Roman authorities. Then the Roman authorities, here's what they're going to do to me. They're going to mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to flog me. They're going to beat me to a bloody pulp with a cat of nine's tails. And then they're going to kill me. They're going to murder me. Then on the third day, I'm going to come back to life. What Jesus is saying to his disciples right here, when he pulls them aside, guys, come here for a minute. This is huge. This is it. This is the plot, the plot unfolding. This is the climax. This is the most important moment in all of human history is about to go down. And you're just like, like that, that, that's, that's what I want you to see. This is how we should be like. Like it's about like we're a couple miles. Like when we get, this is, that's how you're thinking. Like, okay, that's how they're going to be, right? <laughs> Wrong. The response from his disciples seriously makes you wonder if, like, they're trailing behind Jesus and they're seriously just back there smoking crack. Like, what? Do you, what? Like, Jesus lays all this out, and you just want to be like, you look at it, like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, guys, do you get what he's saying? No, man, what he's saying? You know, I'm like, do you get what he's saying? I'm not kidding. It's so pathetic. It's so sad. It's almost comical. Here comes James and John. And by the way, again, we get this from the Matthew passage, chapter 20. It's not just James and John that come to them. They bring their mom with them. You're like, what? For real, you got to see this. This is crazy. So they're having the private meeting with Jesus. And I don't know if there's this point. I mean, I hope I get to heaven and God lets us do the rewind and we see it on the big screen. We're like, show us how, what really happened there. This, I got to see this. They're huddled up. Jesus is laying out. Man, this is what's going to go down. This is it. I've been telling you, this time, this trip. And then, like, I'm wondering if, like, James and John, like, look. And they're like, okay, he's done. They're like, there's mom. Mom, come on. All right. And then here comes mama. And she's like, Jesus. <laughs> and then they come over. And it says in Matthew, she asked this for her sons, but then they ask it for themselves, too. And then what do they ask? What do they want? And this is, this is astounding. Jesus just dropped it. Like, whoa. And their response. All they care about is being able to sit to the right and the left of Jesus when he's in his glory. When he takes charge of everything. When he's on his throne reigning over everyone, everything, they want to make sure that they're sitting at his right and his left so that everyone can see them. Out of all the, think about this, out of all the honorable people of God throughout all the ages, I mean all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, whatever, in the future, whoever's going to do great things for God, this is what they want. 
beside you, us. I mean, do you get it now? Is this, you're just like, what? And it's not just them. Here's mama. I mean, just picture she's got her robe on. Jesus, will you do that for my sons? I mean, (laughs) I just wonder sometimes. I want to see the rewind on this. I want to see this part because I'm wondering if Jesus is, I just picture him. He's got to just be like exasperated. Like, okay, yeah, you don't know what you're asking. Uh, well, yeah, we do. No, you don't, you morons. No, he wouldn't say that. He loves them. But I just wonder, like, I, I want to see his facial expressions. Sometimes we just picture Jesus like he's always smiling, loving. I mean, I just picture him just like shaking his head like, you've got to be kidding. No, you're not kidding because uh, I'm God and I know everything. You're, 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 you're serious. And that's what's really this is pathetic. Okay, I'm about to die for you. It's crazy. It's so pathetic and sad, it's almost comical. Mama's trying to leverage things. <laughs> and it says that the other disciples, the term here in the ESV is they become indignant. Here's a translation of that. They're ticked off. Here's Pastor Kevin's translation. No, I won't say that. We're not allowed. They're PO'd. They're ticked. And at first when you read that, you're thinking, well, maybe they're ticked off because they're just like, what? What did you just ask? What's your mom doing here? Nobody brings their mom on these trips. I'm wondering what they're ticked off about. And maybe they're thinking like, Jesus just told us he's about to die. You guys don't even care. I don't think that's what they're ticked off about. I think they're totally ticked because they're just like, what? You brought your mom? Get your mom. If anybody's sitting by Jesus, you know, I could see Peter just like right here. Jesus, you know what's up. You know, maybe there's like Bartholomew or Andrew. It's just like, Jesus, come on now. And then you got Judas. He's like, I got you. <laughs> I really got you. I'm about to sell you out. You know, but you got to hook me up. You know, I, I'm wondering. I think that's why they're indignant. I think that's why they're ticked off. You say, man, you really sure about that? Well, think about this. Even at the Last Supper, which is about to happen, a lot of people don't realize this. They, they kind of picture the Last Supper with the paintings and all this other stuff and Maybe they've seen like some movie about that and they picture everybody just looking all godly and they're so concerned about Jesus and they're dipping the bread and man, they're having the wine and they're just thinking about what he's saying. Man, this is my body that's broken. This is my blood that's poured out. Listen, Luke twenty two twenty four says an argument breaks out at the Last Supper. Like I want to see somebody paint that. An argument breaks out between the disciples. Jesus isn't in it, but the argument breaks out over who is the greatest among them. And again, I'm wondering if Jesus is just like, You've got to be kidding. Wait, this is the Last Supper. This is crazy. And it's been painted all wrong. I'm picturing guys like throwing bread like, idiot, you ain't nothing. I'm the big guy. Did you see that person? I got that demon out of them. That one. Jesus, didn't I do that? Well, that was me that actually did it because you did it in my name and I gave you the power. All right, that's true. But I did it. That person was really, you know, I'm, this is the kind of stuff that's going on. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. Me, selfie. It's it's like crazy. I wonder if, if, if I were Jesus, James and John, I'd I'd have just punched them. That's what's good. I'm not, I just, I would have slapped both of them. Their mama would have been like, oh my I've been like, honestly, you need to go. Are you going to hit me? No, I'm not going to hit you. But I'll hit your son again. You know, <laughs> that's, 
What's wrong with you? Do you not understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? That's what I'm thinking. Like, do you not get what I'm saying to you guys? So ridiculous. So selfie. Maybe this will help you guys. I was thinking about this yesterday, like trying to bring it in our terms, like something for today. Like, what would this be like? So I was kind of picturing this, and this, this isn't the best illustration, but I was like, it'd be like if Pastor Kevin came to, like, the guys that are in leadership here. You know, Nate and Tyler and some of the other guys. I don't know them all, but he was just like, listen, you know, we're, you know guys, we're going out to lunch after church. We're having our little leadership meeting in Springfield. We're going out to lunch. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're looking for that. We're the leaders. That's right. Not that they'd be like that. Just go with me for a minute. We're the leaders. We've got the leadership lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Pastor Kevin's driving there with them. They're riding together. And he says, hey, guys, i got to tell you something. This is our last lunch coming up. What are you talking about? Man, you going somewhere? You get another, going to another church? What's going on? Okay. It's our last lunch, guys. We're going to eat together, but as soon as we're done here, man, Buffalo Wild Wings, as soon as we're done, I need you guys to drop me off over at uh, Cox Hospital. You see, nobody knows it, but I have a really rare and aggressive form of cancer. My oncologist needs me to get there right away. He says, I'm not even going to make it through the week. They're going to give me medicine just to help with the pain, but I'm not going to be here next Sunday. I'm just not going to be here. I mean, imagine if he says that, he drops that on those guys, and maybe somebody like Nate just steps up, and he's like, Pastor Kevin, so can you agree then that on the website, the homepage, as soon as people click into CCC Springfield, and they come there, as soon as they see there, it's just, it's, it's, it's all my picture, and it just says, boom, it's like, bam, Nate the Saint. Can, can we just agree on that? And maybe somebody like Tyler, he speaks up, and he's like, no, no, no. Okay, that's great, Nate. Okay. Pastor Kevin, can I have your Honda Pilot? Like, and the, and the, the handicapped parking out front, can, can we just eliminate that? I want to sign Tyler, the new spiritual leader guru. I can help you. You want that on the whole sign? The whole thing. It's just my spot. Maybe somebody else steps up, and they're just like, yeah, I was thinking of, like, his son, Jared. I love that guy. Cuts my son's hair. He's just like, Dad, can I get the flat screen? Can I get that? <laughs> no, they wouldn't do that, guys. Because you're just like, that's ridiculous. That's just, that, really? If he dropped that on us, think about what Jesus is saying to them. And they're asking all about them. Can I get this? Can I be the focal point? Can I be the big dog? They're so ridiculous. They're so selfie. They're so self-absorbed, self-centered, self-exalting. Listen to me. They are us. They're us. You're like, what? No, man. We were just dogging them and busting on them. We would never be. Listen, they're us. See, you can't just be like, well, non-believers, yeah, that's how they can be. Non-believers, they don't know any better. They're all about themselves, and you come to Jesus. No, no. Us who have come to Jesus, we still struggle with selfie. That's that friction that we live in in the Christian life, that pull back, that pull back to selfie, to me. The craziest thing about trying to follow Christ and being in some kind of Christian leadership or you're a speaker, let me tell you how sick and depraved and just wicked and messed up it can be just You're trying to do something good for God. I'm going to share the gospel to people. I'm going to preach and teach the word. 
or I'm going to counsel with people, or something like even what Nate does up here. I'm going to lead people in worship and point them to Jesus. Let me tell you how messed up it is. It's so easy to take something that you're like, I want to do this for God, and it can easily, man, you got you to gotta just constantly examine yourself. It can turn into something completely about you. What are they going to think of me? Am I going to be asked back? Maybe this will get me to the, that next place. You see, when I look at this, I can't just make fun of the disciples because there's so many times I'm like, that's me, that's us. So many times we do so many good things and we jack it up because we promote it, we promote ourselves, or we, want, we flaunt it. I see people do it all the time. I do it. So don't think this is just those stupid disciples. This is us. Here's what we have, guys. Here's what I call it. It's a deadly heart condition. It's called meitis. Here's what it does. Let me tell you the symptoms, the diagnosis of meitis. It causes a person to have a completely wrong view of him or herself that causes him or her to think, speak, and live as if the whole universe revolves around him or her without any regard for the feelings, needs, and betterment of other people. And I don't care if you are saved, born again, redeemed, forgiven, (laughs) God's adopted child, it's still in us. It pulls at us. We deal with this me-itis thing. It's nasty. Let me tell you some consequences of this condition. First of all, well, let me say this. And just so you know, meitis is not just a problem. It's a pandemic problem. It's a global outbreak. Remember Romans 3.23? For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. It's the essence of sin. It's that me, selfish, pride. All the disciples have it. Our American culture feeds it. It's crazy. Just turn on the TV. It feeds it. It feeds the you, 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 you. It's all about you. We're all born with it. Jeremiah 17, 9. Every one of us comes into this world with a wicked, depraved heart. It doesn't mean we're incapable of doing any good. There's this meitis, this selfie thing in us. So many times, again, like I said, the good that we do, why do we really do it? You see, every now and then when I'm actually doing something good and it's really not about me, those are rare moments. Those are God moments. God in me, through me. God doing it. Even as Christ followers, we still struggle. It's the, it's the Romans 7 struggle. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Meitis, selfie, it still pulls at us. Now, here's some of the things it's going to cause in your life. A couple things, guys. Listen. You live like this. You live all about yourself. I can guarantee you, you're going to have continual conflict with other people. And some of you, you might realize right now, like, That's why you have so much conflict with other people. Because you're so self-centered, self-absorbed, self-exalting. That's when I have conflict with other people, when I make it about me. It didn't go the way I wanted. 
You didn't treat me the way I deserve. You just could keep going. James 4, verses 1 and 2 says, Where do fights, arguments, wars, all that stuff come from among you? Does it not come from your, self, your selfish desires for pleasure, to, to please and satisfy yourself? What you want, that's, that's how they break out. I'm telling you, like 99% of the time, the major arguments in my marriage that have been bad at times, that have been, are we going to make it? Meitis. It's me. I'm not getting what I want, the way I want, when I want, how I want, where I want. When I really look at it, I sure wasn't coming across like the humble self-sacrificing, selfless servant that puts your interests, your needs, your desires above my own. You see, when you do that, it makes for an amazing marriage. My biggest mentor in my life, he came up to me and he goes, you want to have a great marriage? I said, yeah, it's not going so good. told me this years ago. He's like, I got three words for you. Die to self. I said, man, that's good. You should write a book, and that's the only thing you should put in it. Die to self. He goes, every single day. And I got one of those mentors that's kind of like Kevin. He just says it. He doesn't fluff. And I love that about him. He looks at me, and he goes, even in the bedroom, die to self. It's not about you. I'm like, okay, dude, like TMI. He's like, if it doesn't work there, what you got, Jason? It's not about you. You figure that out, you have amazing marriage. Leads to continual conflict with others. It'll make you a lonely person. You show me a selfless person that loves people, that gives to people, that is like, you know what, they're a complete jerk to me, but I'm going to call and I'm going to check on them anyway. How you doing? You okay? What can I do for you? I can guarantee you that person has a ton of friends around them, people that like being around. People are attracted to that. So maybe one of the reasons you're like, man, I really struggle. I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of people. It's not always the case, but check am I all about selfie? You may be like, but you don't know what they did. I didn't deserve that. Do you know who I am? I don't care. Well, you think I haven't been hurt? You think I haven't been wounded? To the point of being suicidal, I've been that wounded. Multiple counselors. I get it. Did you deserve it? I didn't deserve what they did. Took advantage of me. You'll be a lonely person. You'll be a miserable person. Isn't it funny to see, funny, I don't mean ha-ha, but funny, weird, to see some of the richest people, actors, actresses, um, musicians, artists, athletes, that when they really get honest on certain interviews, and not all of them will do it, but they find out, like, man, I finally reached that status. I got there. I won the Super Bowl. I got the Emmy. I, I won the VMA, blah, 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 blah. And they're just like, I'm lonely. I'm depressed. Some of them commit suicide. 
and I'm not saying it's always selfie. There, there could be a mental disorder. Sometimes I wonder how much we create our mental disorders because we're so freaking self-absorbed. Because we're not doing life God's way. Not saying in every case. And if you're an unsaved person, let me tell you about meitis, it'll lead you to hell. You see, I still struggle with it. But man, by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus, I'm saved and he's pulling me out of it and I get to go to heaven. But the person that just is like, whatever, I don't need Jesus, live it my way. I want to worship me or whatever you choose, a tree, a statue. I don't know. You're, bi- I don't. You're going to die and go to hell. Selfie meitis will lead you to hell for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of meitis, of living for self is death. Unless you say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sick with self. I'm sick with meitis. Save me. Help me. Because you could try to break free of it on your own, I promise. Good luck. You go right back to it. Or if you do something for other people or good people, I'm like, seriously, you'll probably go write a blog about it. Call the paper. Just want to report what somebody did. It was amazing. Somebody did something really amazing for some, you know, underprivileged children. I want to tell you about it. You need to write an article. Well, who is that person? Well, it's me. And I'm sending you over a picture. I mean, that's it's crazy. So let's wrap it up this morning. A couple things. Here's the takeaway. Jesus' response to the disciples is not only what they needed to hear back then in the first century, it's what we need to hear today in 2015. Because this, this is still going on. We still struggle with it. All of us, every one of us in here, we still struggle with meitis, with selfie. It's not just for them, it's for us. So he reminds his disciples of four things. And these are four things that I have to remind myself of constantly because I still struggle. Number one, he reminds them of his true identity. Verses 33 and verses 34, he actually says this. See, we're going up to heaven in Jerusalem, and he calls himself the Son of Man. He does it again in verse 45. Listen, you may not get this. That Son of Man title, I didn't know this growing up, and I grew up in the church, and I went to Bible college and all that. I didn't get what Son of Man meant. Son of Man is eight. That's huge, what he's calling himself. It should have floored the disciples. It should have been like, did you just, Son of Man, like like Daniel, Old Testament, Son of Man, Son of Man. You're saying you're him. That's right. I'm him. You say, what are you talking about? Matthew, I mean, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel, back in 530 B.C., he has a vision. And what he sees is he sees God the Father giving something to the Son of Man, Jesus. What does he see him give? He He sees him give him the dominion. You say, what do you mean by dominion? The highest rule and the the highest authority. The father says, I give you, my son, the son of man, the highest rule, the highest authority. And then it says he gives him the glory. What does glory mean? It means the highest honor, the highest praise, the highest status. God the father is giving this to the son of man, and Daniel sees all of it. And then the last thing he gives him is the kingdom. It's talking about the eternal kingdom. That he'll be the ruler of every people, every nation. You know, Revelation 21 and 22, the new heaven, the new earth. The king of kings, the Lord of all other lords. I'm giving you that. You're that. 
you are the son of man. So when Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, it should have been the thing like, you're him. That's right. I came here in the form of a human, but that's me. It should have been a response like this. Oh, God, have mercy. I had no idea that's you. It's a big deal when he says that. Jesus tells them, you need to remember who I am. It's like they didn't get it. It's like we don't get it sometimes. It's like Jesus is just our genie in the bottle, right? No, he's a son of man. Get who he is. And then he reminds them of his true mission. Verse 45, for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus had every right to come down here to take the greatest throne there is, to sit on it, and to rule, and to say whatever he wants, to tell us to do whatever he wants us to do. And if we didn't listen, he has the right to strike us down, to do whatever he can do. He is God. And some people got such a problem with that. He's God. You're not. I'm not. I don't like the way that makes me feel. I don't either. Get over it. What are you going to do? He's God. He says, but I came here. I humbled myself. Born in a stinky, smelly stable. Animals. Smell the manure. You smell the urine. Why? I'm just going to serve. Who? The holy angels? Wicked humanity. Infected, meitis, selfie. The ones that act like complete idiots. Hey, can I sit here? That's us. He reminds them of his true identity. He reminds them of his mission. Number three, he reminds them of their new identity. He says in verse 43, it shall not be so among you. He said, what do you mean it shall not be so among you? He tells his disciples, it shall not be so among you. He says, look, all the Gentile rulers, the unsaved, the way people do leadership and rule here on earth, it's all about I got a position, I got a title. Uh, this is where I am. And everybody else, I'm going to bark out orders. I'm the big dog. I'm up here. Why can I tell I'm the employer, you're the employee. Clear? And you're fired if, you're not, if it's not. I'm the dad. You're the child. You get it? You can hit the door. That's how we do leadership. Jesus says, it will not be so among you. He's telling them a new identity. That, and I love that because he's saying, it's almost like, you guys are idiots. You don't get it yet. You're going to get it. I'm going to rise from the dead. The Holy Spirit's going to come. Amazing things are going to happen. And you're going to get it. And you're going to remember these words. It's not about you. You're going to serve others. You're going to serve others to the point that you're going to die too. You're going to die martyrs' deaths. That's why he looked at James and John, and he's like, you guys don't even know what you're asking, man. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism I'm, I'm going to be baptized? That's all metaphoric, and what he's talking about is his sufferings. He's saying, yeah, you guys, that is going to happen to you. You wouldn't think it now, but, man, in the future, you guys are going to die. You're going to be killed because of me, and you're going to do it willingly. You won't run from it. Tells them their new identity. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We're new creations in Christ. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. What old things need to pass away? Selfie. 
me-itis. It must pass away. That's the mark of a true believer. Isn't it funny how many people want to identify with Christ by outward things? I'm a Christian. Look at my cross necklace. I'm a Christian. You got to see the size of the fish on my minivan. I'm a Christian. Look at my new t-shirt. It's illegal in like 50 countries. I'm a Christian. Um, Check out my new tattoo. Dude, I did like Psalms 27, the whole thing, man. Like I'm doing a whole arm sleeve. When I get down here, I'm going to do the whole book of Revelation. I don't know how it's going to fit, but I'm going to do it. Don't get me wrong. I am not anti a cross necklace. I, I'm not. That's a nice fish you have on your minivan. I think tattoos are cool. I think tattoos can be a good thing to spark a conversation. Now, some of you may disagree because I ask people, what's that mean? What's that on there? Is that a Bible verse? What's that mean to you? I ask them. I'm like, you put it on your arm. You want me to see. I'm going to ask you. If you don't know what it means, I'm going to help you understand what it means. I'm going to be like Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. Do you know what you're reading? I have no idea what it's talking about. Hmm, let me put down the dumbbell. Come here, big boy. I'm going to tell you what that means on your arm. You got a cross on there. You don't know what it means. I'm going to tell you what that means. I want something on my arm soon. So I get asked because I'm like, well, let's talk. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm saying it's so funny. We want to identify like that. Jesus is saying, here's how people should know you. You walk away from selfie. You leave the world of me-itis. You come follow me. You die to self. You put other people first. It's not all about you. They don't deserve for you to love them and treat them and respect them like that. And you do it. And they go, what the heck is it with that guy? What is it with that woman? Jesus, I'm able to forgive you because he's forgiven me. I'm able to love you when you act like that because the way he's loved me when I've acted like that. I'm a Jesus follower. Dude, I didn't know. Yeah. They know because of the way we live. He gives them their new mission. Verse 43 and 44. He tells them the true greatness in God's kingdom is serving others. You take the form of a servant. Do you know the actual word that's used for servant? In the Greek, doulos. You take the form of a slave. See, people don't like that, especially us Americans, man. Slave. Got no rights. He's my master. He wants me to love them. He wants me to forgive them. He wants me to reach out to them. He's in charge. Jesus says, you guys, you disciples, you take the form of a slave. It shall not be so among you. You're going to be different. The kingdom, those in the kingdom are people that serve others. It's others first. It's not about you. The apostle Paul said, to live, it's Christ. Love other people as yourself. Remember the two greatest commands? Love God, love others. I have to remind myself of these four things all the time, guys. I don't have it all together. I mean, let me, let me just finish and just tell you about how amazing I was on Thanksgiving. I was amazing. Like I knew it was Thanksgiving. We had people coming over, two different couples, friends of ours. We're going to make this big feast. My wife's working her butt off, cooking everything. And so I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to die to selfie. I'm sick of me-itis. I am going to serve my wife. 
I'm going to do this. I clean the house. I'm vacuuming everything. I'm dusting stuff. I'm dusting stuff. Nobody wants to dust. I'm dusting the ceiling fans. That's right. My wife's looking at me, and she, she told me, she goes, I am so thankful for you today. I was like, I know. <laughs> I know. You know how us guys get. I'm already thinking, like, you know what I'm saying? You thankful? Now you go hug a brother up. Yeah. Some of you are like, what? He just said that. I did. I'm just saying. It's so pathetic. It's crazy. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm helping her. She goes, can you carve the turkey? I'd love to. I'm carving a turkey. I'm getting it ready. And, man, we had, like, big two turkeys. I'm getting it all ready and doing everything. And all of a sudden, it was the end of the night. Everything was done. Make a long story short, man, she's like, I'm going out Black Friday shopping. I'm going to Target. I want to get this, this, and this. I know it's going to be sold out. And um, I'm like, that's fine. I'm watching football. I'm sitting on the recliner. I'm just chilling. Man, I'm like, oh, man, I deserve this today. You verse, and I'm like watching stuff, and then all of a sudden, man, she's got the audacity. She's got the audacity. She's got the. She calls me, and she says, "Hey, I'm at, I'm at Target. I totally forgot my Target card. It's on the desk. It can help me save five percent. I, I, I need that. Can, can you run it up here? Can you just run it up here and get it to me? I can't put this stuff back on the shelf. I'm, people are going to get it. I'm going to lose it." <laughs> What do you think I did? Oh, yeah. I was, I was real godly. I was the man. No. She says, okay. I said, no. I kept watching TV. I didn't give a rip. I was like, I'm done. I've done enough. This is my time. My time. What I didn't know is she's in Target talking to me. And as families, we came over, those two, two wives that were there that came over, they were standing right by her. I know. And they were just like, what did he say? And she's like, he said no. And then they're like, uh-uh, I'm going to tell you right now, if that was my husband, he would have his butt up here. And if he didn't, and they're going off, I mean, there's ladies coming out of the aisles, and they're like, excuse me, what would you just saying about your husband? <laughs> what? If he did it, cashiers are dropping what they're doing, and they're just like, Oh, hang on, close. Let me talk to you. Let me tell you something. If you go, I'm just like, see, what's crazy about me is like, if I'd have known, here's how sick I am, if I'd have known that they were listening, I'd have gone to Target. Because that would have made me look like the man. It's reality. It's reality. I blow it too, man. Every now and then I get it right. I blow it a lot. But the thing is, because I'm a Christ follower, when I blow it, I get convicted. I went to my wife the next morning and I apologized. I said, I'm sorry. I should have got up and served you. And when I do that, I actually feel like a better man. I feel manly, honestly. It's very manly. I feel like a good husband. I apologized to my son the next day as well. He was in Target with her. He picked up the whole thing. Nice. Because he's going to have a wife one day. Is that really what I want him to do to my future daughter-in-law? No. Let's bow for prayer. Let's bow for prayer. God is calling us to every day as Christ followers. Die to selfie. Die to selfie. Die to selfie. We have to remind ourselves 
of who Christ is, of what his mission is, of who we are now and what our mission is. You have to remind yourself constantly because we all have such a pull back to the old ways. Maybe you're here this morning and God's working in your heart and you're just thinking, man, I'm not even a Christian. I'm not saved. I don't know about this Jesus thing. I want you to know that God loves you and God wants to save you. God wants to forgive you of all your sins. You say, what do I got to do? You don't have to do anything. He did it for you. You need to come to him by faith and receive his free gift. You can do that today. Today, you can place your faith in the Son of God and you can be saved. And maybe you're here and you say, man, I am a Christ follower. I've given Jesus my heart, but man, I'm so riddled with selfie. I'm so infected. I'm just so, ugh, I get it. I hope you hear that in my message. I get it. Me too. What you need to do is a 1 John 1, 8 and 9. Confess it to God. Ask him to cleanse you. Ask him to give you the power, give you the strength. Man, when you fall, when you get selfie, get up, learn from it. Confess, repent, move on. The world doesn't expect us to be perfect. They want to just see us be real. I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know what's going on with you. But God knows, and he loves you, and he wants to help you with that. Take some time to talk to him right now. Pray to him. In the quietness of this moment, just talk to God about what you're dealing with. If you need to talk to a leader or somebody here, man, when the service is over, come on up here. Grab me, grab Nate, grab somebody in the back, one of the guys in the sound booth, whoever. Grab one of the ladies that sings. Say, can I talk? Can I get help? I promise you, you're not a bother. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray with all my heart, help all of us to die to selfie. In Jesus' name, amen.